The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm your host for today's podcast. And today we have an interview with someone who may be known to you. He is a prominent sports and celebrity agent. His name is Darren Prince. He is also a global advocate for addiction and recovery. Through his agency, Prince Marketing Group, he represents icons such as Magic Johnson, Hulk Hogan, Charlie Sheen, Dennis Rodman, Chevy Chase, and the late Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, to name just a few. As a leading authority in this space, his insights have been featured in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, USA Today, CNN, and Dr. Oz. From selling his first business at age 19 to building a multi-million dollar talent agency, Darren has experienced what life is like in the celebrity world. Unfortunately, he also saw the dark reality of addiction through his own personal struggle. After over 11 years of sobriety, it's now Darren's mission to help others avoid and break free from addiction. Through his new cause, he has become a sought-after speaker on addiction recovery and mental health. He specializes in helping high-functioning addicts and at-risk executives to identify and avoid the pitfalls of addiction and working with teens about self-esteem and self-worth. Let's talk to Darren Prince. Darren, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your willingness to share your story with our listeners. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the way I usually start these um, types of interviews is I ask, I ask, I'm going to ask you, how did your journey with drug addiction start? How did you get started? Um, when I was in sleepaway camp, I talk about it often. Um, I had horrible stomach pains and, uh, I said to the counselor, I need to go to the infirmary. And, you know, at the time I was very insecure, very uncomfortable in my own skin. I never felt a part of it. I always felt too different. Uh, I was classified as having a severe learning disability growing up. And, um, when I went to the nurse, she gave me this green liquid that tasted horrible on a cough syrup cup. And as I walked across the softball field, my life changed forever. And I felt like Superman, all those inadequacies went away instantly. And I got back to the bunk, the pain was gone. And I was high as a kite and the guys were laughing with me, not at me. And after 15 minutes of making everybody laugh, I ran out the front door, I went to the bunk next door where there's about 20 girls. And I became the comedian. I became the cool guy, the good looking guy, the buff guy, the, the funny one, the one that everybody wanted to hang with, the everybody, everyone that everybody wanted to start telling jokes. And, um, I never experienced that in my life. I never had the courage to do anything like that in my life. And the next morning I woke up, did all my activities, thinking nothing of it. And I'm lying in the bunk that very next night with no stomach pain, but obsessing on that feeling from the night before. And I learned to lie, con and cheat. That was all I knew how to do right then in that moment. And I healed over and I told the counselor, my stomach was killing me. And he wow. took me back. And there was a couple trips to a hospital in between to, to validate what was going on. And, for three straight weeks, I did this every single night, and my mom and dad came up with a visitation day and found that I was taking liquid Demerol, and that was basically the end of that. Wow. 
Wait, you said you were diagnosed with learning disorders. Did you take any medication for that? No, I mean, back then, they, they, they said it was a learning disability, but, you know, fast forward 35 years, it you know, clearly was a form of ADD. And oh, um, just, again, misdiagnosis. I was in small classrooms. I was at a problem with reading comprehension, but I also, you know, I accelerated in other areas, like especially when it came to math and numbers, I was a statistical genius, which with my father saw me at a very young age, and I used that to accelerate my success in business as a young entrepreneur. Wow. Okay. I just, anyway, I was just curious about that. So you went away to sleep over camp and now you're taking Demerol every night. And what, what, what did your parents do at that point? Just cut you off from it? Yeah. I mean, they obviously went ballistic on the nurse. They didn't realize at the time it wasn't as much of a controlled substance as it is now. And, um, you know, my mom is just very concerned, you know, didn't know, you know, I was taking necessary steps at that point to become a drug addict and substance abuser. And, you know, I just, you know, I was devastated after the three weeks because it was like my superpowers were taken away. Right. So what happened after that? After that, I had a dentist appointment about three weeks later and thinking nothing of it. My mom gave me these two white pills. I had my wisdom teeth removed. I took them and I'm lying in bed. And that exact same feeling came back, and I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on, that how could a liquid and these two white pills do the same thing? But I had the dirty little secret again, and I didn't want to tell my mom what was going on, so I'm calling up all my friends. There's girls that I wanted to ask out, that I wanted to flirt with. I finally had the courage to call them because I had their numbers. I had a lot of friends, but I didn't, worthy, I didn't feel worthy of having the friends. And, right. um, yeah, just something came alive in me again, and they were, they were Vicodins. And... Three days later, when the pills were gone after high school, there was, I, I loved coming home after high school and going right to that pill bottle and telling my mom I need another pill. But she held the bottle. She was really concerned about what happened in sleepaway camp. When the pills were gone, did the same thing I did in sleepaway camp. I lied. I cheated. I held my cheek up. I ran downstairs with um, tears rolling down my face and pressing on my cheek. I said, Mom, my tooth is killing me. I think I have a horrible infection. We definitely have to go back to the dentist and put on the same dog and pony show with him. And he wrote her another prescription for me for three more days. Wow. So that was high school. That was high school. And then what happened after that? Uh, you know, I partied like a rock star for the next four or five years until my early 20s. I went to college for a year. I basically dropped out, failed out at what do you want to call it. I had a 0.86 GPA, which is near impossible. And um, <laughs> from partying my ass off and playing baseball and making a ton of money with my baseball card business. So, I knew school wasn't for me at that point, but at 21, it kind of all hit a brick wall. I was arrested four times in six months, all from different drug possession charges. And uh, the judge put me into a program called the Alliance. I had to complete it for one year. If I didn't, I'd be going to prison for a minimum of 90 days. So I took it seriously. The couple days left in the program, I got noticed that I was good to go and I completed it. So what do you do? And there's nothing else I knew how to do. I called my friend Dave up and I said, hey, man, let's go to the city and celebrate and do these mind eraser shots. So we went to the city. We did these mind eraser shots uh, on the way. And we took a handful of Xanax. And uh, our minds were erased because the next thing I know, he fell asleep behind the wheels, carving into a ditch. My face went into the windshield. And I woke up in the ICU with 90 stitches, a broken nose, and my lips split in half and a concussion. Oh, my gosh. And the first two people... First two people I see are my mom and my dad. 
Oh, wow. As if I couldn't torture them enough from, from this nightmare that was going on. Wow. Darren, I got to stop you for a second because you used something new that I haven't heard about and maybe our listeners know all about them, but I don't. What is a mind erasure shot? Mind erasure shot was just a liquor shot. It was, it was kind of sweet. I, I think it was alcohol wasn't the biggest thing to me, but I did drink when I was high in opiates. I think it was something more like similar to like a red devil shot kind of like a sweet okay. shot. You just, after you do two or, three or two or three of them, legitimately, you don't know where the heck you are. And, and try mixing that with benzos, and yeah, it was a disaster. Wow. Okay. So when <clears throat> when this was going on, did you, have, did you still have your, um, I'm sorry, your baseball trading card? Did you still have that business? Yeah, I had the business. The, 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 I, I, I literally, I just, um, actually, you know what? I, let me correct that. I had my sports memorabilia and entertainment memorabilia company because I sold the baseball cards at 20. I sold that. Then I moved into something a lot cooler, a lot sexier, uh, where I was dealing with athletes and celebrities booking random autograph signings for them for my merchandise company. Okay. And you were but able always, to... again, always making money, always highly functioning. I see. All of this. Okay. So really, I mean, being a functioning addict there was no apparency that you had a problem, I would imagine. No. Mm -mm. Did your family know at all? Uh, my, mo my mom really was very concerned because it ran in my family with my uncle. Uh, my dad kind of just thought I was going through some rough spots and wasn't concerned because he was more, um, he had no isms, you know, we never drank, never smoked, never did a drug. So, but, but he figured something was a little bit off uh, by all the times I kept getting in trouble. Right. What was the story with your uncle? Uh, my uncle uh, was a drug abuser for years, cocaine, alcohol, you name it, he did it. And uh, miraculously, though, he found the rooms on several different occasions and is the reason I'm here talking to you guys. Right. And so mainly what you, mainly your drugs of choice were alcohol and benzos. Did you escalate oh, into well, anything my, 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 Yeah, my... Mine were opiates. I did everything. I did ecstasy, cocaine. I drank, um, uh, like I said, benzos, um, mushrooms, acid. But when I became an agent and I started Prince Marketing Group in 1995 with Magic Johnson as my first client, I learned something about a clause called morality clause. And my attorneys basically told me what that meant. And that meant anything that jeopardizes my good standing and their good standing could result in immediate termination of my job to, at the time, to one of the most revered iconic figures on the planet. And I wasn't real willing to put that before him. So I found a amazing light because of the sciatica that I had from the incredible stress from the level to perform at the highest level. When you're working for somebody like that, he's, he's, he's a superman. You're automatically brought into the super agent realm where you're only as good as your last deal. So the, the pressures that were put on myself to constantly deliver caused incredible back pain, leg pain, sciatica. I found it to be a perfect excuse to get the Oxycontins, the Percocets, and the Vicodins from any doctor I asked because they were all enamored my, by my external success of who I was working for. Okay. And then that didn't fall under the morality clause because it was a doctor Not at all because everything was... Exactly, exactly. And you're talking 1995, 96, 97, the late 90s, early 2000s, there was no opiate epidemic then. Mm -mm. Right, right. 
Darren, when did you have, you know, we call this podcast Point of No Return because we kind of want to focus in on what was the point at which you said, hey, I either get help, I get clean, or my life's not going to go so well. What was that point for you? You know, I had it a couple times, but really when I was at that jumping off point, when I was at that sick and tired of being sick and tired, I saw that white light because it was July 1st, 2008. My uncle Stewart, who's in the program and his then girlfriend, Andrea came to New Jersey to visit my mom and having no idea how bad it got for me. They stopped on my place and she had five and a half years clean and she looked at me and I never met her. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, no. And I told her what was going on because I was too important to go to rehab. You see, that was my mindset. Mm. I was too busy. And I told her everything. And she's like, do you realize you're an addict that your life's so manageable? I said, absolutely. She goes, do you realize that you're powerless over this addiction? And I said, absolutely. She's like, do you realize most importantly that all this stuff and the outside success of the disease of addiction doesn't discriminate, doesn't care if you're from Yale or jail or Park Avenue and Park Bench. And I said, a hundred percent. And she goes, are you willing to do anything it takes to get sober? Cause I can help you. I said, I'm desperate. She put me on a detox plan on that 48th hour. It was a Sunday night, July 2nd, 2008. I was shaking, trembling, crying, the chills, hot flashes, upset stomach, vomiting, came back from the gym. And I was married at the time. And I came back to the apartment in the city and I called them up and I said, I can't do this. I'm calling the freaking doctor to get what I really want to get. Mind you, I was on Suboxone at the time, an opiate blocker, right. antidepressant, a mood stabilizer, Xanax, and snorting Ambien before I went to bed at night. That was my wow. cocktail for the day. And wow. um, they picked up the phone and said, this is the goddamn disease talking, Darren. It's time you kick the crap out of it and stop making excuses. You gotta get yourself to a 12 step meeting. I said, there's no way. I've been to those meetings. I can't identify with those people. I'm not going. I hung up the phone. I ran into the bathroom to get the last of uh, the non-narcotic anxiety medication to help with the cravings. And out came two Vicodins, one of the pill bottles. And we were short. We cleared out every medicine cabinet. And for a split second, it was like a gift from God. It was exactly what I needed. But then but then the miracle happened. And um, I thought on my knees, shaking, trembling, and crying, and calling out to God, saying... I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I'm sick. I'm desperate. I'm suicidal. I need your help. Take the money, take the notoriety, take the business. I need a single day of freedom. Like when I was a little kid, I'm begging you. And as I'm there with tears rolling down my face and shaking, I, uh, I stood up and something came over me. I felt a burning hot sensation on my right shoulder. And I heard the voice that I've got you and you're ready. And I had a white light moment and uh, I flushed the pills. And from there, I wound up going to a computer because there was no Uber and found a 12-step meeting in the city. And I'm looking in the taxi cab up the sky saying, oh, my God, for the first time in my life, I wanted to stay sober more than I wanted to get high. And that was the day, July 2nd, 2008. And I walked into a church basement with 152 addicts, 200 addicts and alcoholics. And when they said, is anybody new? I'm struggling. I threw my hand right up with no ego. And about a dozen men came over to me. And started telling me about the softer, easier life. That's easier to stay sober than it is to get sober. You know, some days that are tough, forget one day at a time. Go a minute at a time if you have to. And we can help show you the way. And I just dove right into it. Nothing 
came before those meetings. 90 and 90 was like I was an obsessive drive, and I was traveling in Chicago. There was a heat wave on the 80th day, and my sponsor called me. It was about 120 degrees. And he goes, you go into me? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'll double up when I get back. He goes, let me ask you something. There was a party down the street with all the pills and the drugs and the good things you could do. Would you go to that party right now? I said, absolutely, because we've got to put the same goddamn effort into your recovery. Get your ass up and go to the meeting. And that taught me a lesson because, because you, my friend, travel the world. And you got to keep going to meetings to find out what happens to people that stop going to meetings. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name. Or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. For more information on our sponsor, Narconon Ojai, visit their website at narcononojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I.org or call 1-866-231-5924. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. And I never heard somebody tell me that. And that was so profound that it changed and saved my life. You know, because I've been to meetings all over the world, from Tokyo to Sydney to London to Anguilla to Monaco. Um, I can't even tell you. There's probably, I talk about this not to impress, but to impress upon. I truly don't believe there's anybody in the history of the fellowship that has a world resume of AA meetings like me. It is an outright obsession. Maui, Honolulu. Uh, Turks and Caicos, uh, it's the most amazing thing in the world when you could be on the road and walk into a room, a church basement, a beach, whatever it might be, a clubhouse, Aruba, and you're not home, but you're right at home. Wow. And you don't know anybody in that room, but you know every single person in that room. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is quite a story, and thank you for sharing that. Um what, where was your career at at that point, and how did it change after you went into recovery? What was that? Where was your career when this happened, and then where did it go from there? Um, my career business-wise was booming. I mean, I remember times where some of the people in my office were like, bro, that, that's like, you know, $400,000 sitting in this one account. It's not even insured for that. Much. It was just stupid where I wasn't even paying it. So I called it business. Now. I don't even know. It was just like, 
there was just money coming in from everywhere because the business was booming. But here I was ready to give it all up and take a job at a pizzeria. Not that there's anything wrong with that, just to escape it. Because I right. had it all, but I was always looking for an outside fix. That was an inside job. And, um, you know, I, I see these celebrities in the world that I'm in, and I see what happens when they don't make it. And I, I can sympathize with them because that was me. You know, it's just because you've got the success. You know, if you don't mean nothing, then none of that means anything. Right. So you still have a lot of these big celebrity clients, and I would imagine the pressure's still there. How do you deal with it now? Um, you know, it's easy. It's so easy now because I'm so, <laughs> I'm so on that spiritual beam. I mean, it's like literally as you're calling me right now, I got Denise Richards at Carmen Electric texting me and I'm trying to push everybody aside. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like, um, and Dennis Rahman just tried calling. I mean, it's just, it's my life. I mean, I know that through recovery, through my spiritual brothers and sisters, through my speaking engagements, I did 57 last year around the country, through my book, Aiming High, and all the emails and the messages that come in on social media and letters, and when I speak to schools, like, it's given me this foundation that it, it's, it's this structure, the spiritual bank that I have, that even when life gets rough, I have a perspective and a perception change where I look at things so differently. And I look at everything now as luxury problems. Because at the end yeah. of the day, I think most of us, that, that's what we have, but we lose sight of that. And we look at it very differently. Right. Um, Darren, yeah. do, any, do any of your clients, are, are they in recovery as well? I'm not asking you to name any names. I'm just curious. Um, well, Charlie Sheen just celebrated two years sober. Oh, wow. Um, he's doing, he's doing amazing. He's gone to meetings here and there. Sometimes they don't work. Joe Maganello is a good friend of mine. Steve Ars husband. He has a meeting, a private meeting that he hosts all the time. Um, you know, at the house, it's, uh, you know, Dennis Raman has been in and out of the room for his alcoholism. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I was Matt Johnson flying back, <clears throat> excuse me, from a keynote speech in Vegas on his private plane about a month and a half ago. And the biggest blessing is that my clients say it, Hulk Hogan, Rick, all these guys, they tell me constantly to change that they've seen in me. And wow. we're on the plane and now I'm able to help not just earth people, but superhuman earth people. And I'm telling right. them like, Urban, look, I know you have a big staff. I know he's got a billion dollar brand with all these people working for him. And I call him urban. I call him his real name, not magic. And I, I was like, look, the next time you have a situation at work and somebody doesn't do it right, try saying what you mean, meaning what you say and not saying it means. He's like, wow. He goes, tell me that again. I'm like, yeah, try <laughs> saying what you mean, meaning what you say and not saying it means. And if there's an issue with a family member or your wife or your kids or something where you're about to engage, you're so much better to feel all right than right. Because when we open up our big fat mouth, as people in recovery, we, we, we don't know about that emotional hangover when it's going to go away. But we all have to deal with earth people and colleagues and friends and family members where I'd rather feel all right than right. Even if I know I'm 100% right, I'd rather be, bro, you're right. Or if it's my girlfriend, you know, you're right. I'm good. You know, just because I'm not going to be a doormat, but I also know when it's time to not be one and there's very few times in 11 years because i've been sober i had to lash out because in five minutes i'm gonna have no clue what it was i was gonna lash out about but if i do 
I'm going to have an emotional hangover worse than a, a drug or drunk hangover. So I'm going to stay right. as spiritually fit as possible, you know? I like that. I think that's a great message. I really like that. Just um, just to tell you, if any of your clients that have a story to tell want to come on the podcast, they have an open invitation. Just Okay, great. Them. Yep. Yep, because I we love to tell these types of stories on the podcast because we know that our listenership is, you know, probably a large percentage of loved ones of addicts or maybe a few addicts. We've had a, a couple reach out to us, but I just feel that um, every story is going to resonate with somebody. And if one person listens to your story and there's that spark and they go, wow, I need to get help, you know. That's what it, that's what it's all about. That's why we do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren, 100%. if you that, that's, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say. I mean, that that's the only reason why we do it. I mean, it's um, and to me, it's so much it's so much more rewarding that you know I you know become part of this whole national recovery advocate movement with the best of the best, as I call them, my Mount Rushmore brothers and sisters, and we're all freaking changing the world. Chris Aaron. Tim Ryan, Jennifer Jimenez, Ryan Hampton, Anna David, Krista McGinnis, Randy Grimes. I mean, we're just we're just psychotic with it. I mean, it's just every freaking day. It's just, you know, whatever we got to do to get this message out there. And for me, you know, it's a little bit of an unfair advantage because of what I do for a living. I have massive access to top, top media because of my celebrities. But the way they all gravitated to me when I wrote my book with Chris Cuomo and Extra and Dr. Oz and um, who was it? Uh. Tucker Carlson a couple of weeks ago, I did with Dennis Rodman a segment. Um, why not take advantage of it? Because none of this has anything to do with money. It all has to do with m- making a change and saving people's lives and showing people around the world and around the country that, you know, you can recover. And if you're a teenager, don't go down the road, Darren Prince. Did speak up now. Why even take a shot to expose yourself? If you're insecure, if you feel less than, if you've got, you know, self-doubt issues you know speak to a guidance counselor speak to a parent because you're going to be a prime candidate and one in three kids that go to a dentist appointment don't realize this become opiate addicts that get prescribed opiates one in three because there's not enough of an education out there because there's not enough of an education out there and uh you know i want to i want to you know i said it when the when the buck came out it was about i don't know uh, about a year and a half after my dad passed away and uh, he always wanted me to write a book and I said, I, w- I want to be, a, I, I want to change the world with this message. You know, I want to be the first agent that can actually come out because I own my own firm and all my celebrities and athletes that I can't support my mission more than anything I've ever done because um, I want people to see it doesn't matter. You could have it all and still feel worthless and broken and suicidal. And uh, you could also have a comeback of a lifetime, you know, like I did, yep. but it's, it's what you do to keep that comeback and to keep in that state of mind. And what I do every single day when I wake up to, you know, to give it away so I can keep it, you know, it's um, yep. the most important thing I've ever done in my life. It's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. It's my proudest achievement. I don't regret anything in the past. I, I think the greatest thing that happened to me was becoming a drug addict because it led me to my true self. It led me to find out who I really am. And, to say that I'm going to be 50 in two and a half weeks that I can look in the mirror and love everything about myself for the first time and, and, and feel so incredibly comfortable in my own skin 
that I know most people never, whether you have a drug or alcohol issue or not, will fully understand that feeling. Like yeah. I can get in touch, you know, in front of 50,000 people at Wembley Stadium and talk to them like I'm talking to you now. I've never felt so comfortable. I know that when I've got that platform and I take that stage, that it's so much bigger than Darren Prince, that I know I'm nobody special, but in that moment, my God is that special because something happens. It's a transformation of lives where white, the white light moment happens to people in that room, in that auditorium, in that theater, at that gala, at that high school, at that college, because I see it every single time I speak. And what I've done is I've finally developed self-esteem from doing esteemable acts. It's it's that simple, you know? Yep. Darren, can you tell us the name? I, I know the name of your book, but can you talk about your book, the name, and where people can get it? Yeah, it, it, the book's called Aiming High. They can go to my website, officialdarrenprince.com, and they can buy it there. They can go to Amazon. And then recently, just as important, if not more so than the book, is I started my own 501c3, the Aiming High Foundation, which is aiminghighfoundation.org. And the reason I did that is I'm, I'm in so many different situations where after I speak, there's the ability to help people right then and there that can't afford treatment. And I was like, I want to have my own foundation. So if somebody needs ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, uh, you know, to be scholarship to them, I want to pull them right out of the crowd and be like, young man, young lady, please go home and pack your suitcase. My my foundation's gonna send you on an airplane first thing in the morning to give you the wow. life that you deserve. Wow, that's amazing. And that's aiming high <clears throat> excuse me, aiming, aiming high, high foundation. foundation dot org. Dot org. Yeah, dot org. Wow. That's awesome. Darren, if you had one message to give all of our listeners, um, you've given so many good messages. You're, well, obviously you're an awesome speaker, but if I, if I just wanted you to wrap up with like one message you would give people, what would you say? Well, if it's a younger kid, like I said, don't go down the road Darren Princeton and speak up now. You know, if it's adult that's struggling, just know there's a solution, that there's hope. And it's a matter of having the courage and the strength to speak up because the weakness is not speaking up. The strength is when you ask for the help. And there's so many ways you can get it out there nowadays. That's perfect. Banning Treatment Center, Banning Treatment Center. I I work for them. They have 11 different properties, actually 12 now. They're opening up one in California. They're incredible. They've got some of the best staff in the world for mental illness and addiction recovery. And there's so many other great treatment centers around the country and, there's just so many ways that you can find hope and recovery. And uh, exactly. people go to me on Instagram. People go to me on Instagram at agent underscore DP and inbox. And I get messages every day. I'm more than happy to speak to them privately. Oh, good. And you also give out, I was watching an interview with you and you have an 888 number, is it, that you give out? Right. It's 888-8886-DARREN, D-A-R-R-E-N, which goes directly to my call center at Banyan. And they forward me every call that comes in. That's awesome. Darren, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I know you are super duper busy and I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. I really appreciate all of you, our listenership. Um, Let me take this opportunity to urge you once again to Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And also check us out on YouTube. We have started posting videos of a lot of our interviews on YouTube. 
and subscribe there and give us a good review wherever you can because that helps people find us. And the whole point is to give hope to our listeners and to urge them, no matter what situation they're in, to reach out for help. There is help available, whether it's people like Darren, whether it's this podcast, whether it's our sponsor, Narcan on Ojai, there is help available. Please don't wait. Please reach out now and get help where it's needed. We will talk to you again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narcanon Ojai. For more information on Narcanon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcanonojai.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.